Across America and around the world, famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. Oregon Wine Month underway throughout the month of May will feature Oregon wineries along with our trip to the Destin Wine Auction and Napa Valley. In this episode, we revisit one of Oregon's largest wineries, and yet it's always had the feel of a small family operation. We first featured Duck Pond Cellars over a decade ago. It was Doug and Joanne Fries and their family who founded Duck Pond in the early 1990s. And 20 years later, they grew it into one of the top 10 producers in the entire state of Oregon. Then in late summer of 2018, the family sold Duck Pond along with 300 acres in the Dundee Hills, Willamette Valley, and Umpqua Valley to Integrated Beverage Group. And quite candidly, this was a very good thing for the Duck Pond brand because IBG has pumped a ton of money into the operations and the new tasting room. They've also brought in industry experts, including Master Sommelier Brett Zimmerman as their chief wine officer. Brett spent 16 years as a Somme with the who's who of restaurants, including Charlie Trotter's in Chicago and Aqua in San Francisco. Now, there are less than 300 master sommeliers in the world, but there's only one that we know of who was also a competitive ski racer. You have a very interesting backstory in competitive ski racing, and I want you to tell us a little bit about that and the correlation or the transfer of all those skills into the wine industry. I know there's some competitive juices flowing in both of those, right? Certainly. Yeah, The, uh, I guess by virtue of being born and raised in Boulder, Colorado, I found myself skiing on the on the weekends and then later uh during the weeks as well as i as i moved up through the the, the ranks and got older but the uh I, I ski raced out of winter park out of vale and uh skied for the university of colorado for a couple of years but ultimately i was a a speed speed guy focused on downhill and super g which is not a collegiate sport for a variety of reasons including speed and injuries and different things like that but the uh yeah, there is definitely a passion and a focus overlap to what I do with uh, with the wine business. And, and after a couple of injuries at uh, the middle part of my uh, college time, I ended up uh, switching gears and got into working in restaurants and found myself at restaurants like Charlie Trotter's in Chicago and Aqua in San Francisco and just kind of connected with the passion that was part of restaurants and wine service and the restaurants that I happened to be associated with were uh, high-quality wine program-focused restaurants. So um, it was right there. It was it was something I was interested in, and the uh, the story and everything that goes along with it kind of you know tells a tale and takes you around the world, similar to I guess ski racing or another sport. Yeah, because most ski bums I know are into beer, so <laughs> you had to pick up the wine bug someplace other than the ski slopes, right? Yeah, it was probably the restaurant side of things. And most, you know, I mean, if you look at Vale and Aspen and some of the places that we frequently visit, uh, there are a lot of the ski bums that I know that, you know, also happen to be uh, passionate about the uh, the wine business. Some of our friends at the Little Nell Hotel or places like the Four Seasons up in in Vale, there's some, there's some great wine programs in those areas. And those people are, I guess, the modern-day ski bums, so we're taking it in the wine direction here. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I was in Park City this winter. Same thing. More and more of the ski set are discovering uh, all sorts of varietals of wine. So when did you really start to take it seriously? I mean, you're in the restaurant industry. There's a lot of different ways you could go with that. How do you make the move or the jump from uh, being in a service industry like that to actually getting into wineries and winemaking? It's harder when you're in a place like Boulder, just because you don't have vines in the backyard there. But the, you know, I think the service and commitment to excellence that I learned with great restaurants like Charlie Trotter or Aqua kind of set the foundation for the way I was doing things moving forward. So learning, you know, great service and food and and how to be an outstanding sommelier kind of translated into the industry going to, you know, I worked in distribution for a number of years, found myself working in, um, I worked for Southern Wine Spirits, and then from there I ended up moving to work for a company, Domain Select, that uh, worked with 90 different producers from around the world, and I was their education director as well as uh, running a six-state territory for the better part of three years. But with that came a lot of exposure to uh, wineries and vineyards and properties, and we would take groups over to Austria and Germany and northern Italy and we would visit all these places. And so, you know, you see the, obviously sales is one thing when you're in Colorado or Oregon or wherever you happen to be, but bringing a little piece of the, the what's special at a winery or at a property back to where you are, even if it's surrounded by no vineyards at all, that I think is a, an important story to, to tell. So I was fortunate to be able to uh, do quite a bit of traveling at the period of time where I was making that transition. What do you think makes Oregon unique? And I ask you that it's a Kind of a softball question, but I ask it to you because you're a Colorado native. Oregon is so provincial, and we know that's also the case in you know, the San Diego area, other pockets across the West where there's this pioneer spirit, there's this you know, fierce independence. In your mind, what is it about Oregon that makes it so unique? I think the starting with the raw resources, I think you have... You know, whether it's proximity to the ocean, the breezes and the soils and the the sunshine and the fact that it's, I mean, it's, you can, unlike Colorado, you can grow all sorts of different products there. It's, you know, definitely its foundation for agriculture is serious. I, I'm constantly inspired by what is going on for, for as relatively new as that, that industry is you know, beyond the you know, initial producers that got things going in the 60s. I mean, there's not a ton of history. So, so it's really, really an exciting time, I think, to be looking at, at what's going on in Oregon, not just Willamette Valley, but surrounding areas. I mean, the Columbia Gorge area and going down to Umpqua Valley. And I think the producers who have really be, you know, put a lot of time and energy into to learning and and figuring out what works globally and bringing that back and putting time and energy into vine material and figuring out the right clones of Chardonnay. And so, I mean, there's so many happening things going on in the the Oregon wine wine country right now that it's, it's really excited. And when you look at, sure, it's still expensive property, but when you look at the barrier to entry compared to other places, it's still somewhat accessible. I think we're probably on the exit part of that but but there's i think there's there's lots to be excited about for for a variety of reasons in oregon right now i would agree and you uh, mentioned 
other wine regions in Oregon because I think so many people default to the Willamette Valley, right? And, and rightfully so. I mean, there's uh, some flagship Oregon Pinot Noir there, but, you know, to your point, Southern Oregon, uh, the Umpqua Valley, you, you know, the Columbia Gorge, you have this diversity in Oregon that really you don't find in other regions. Agreed. Yeah, we, um, I mean, one of my friends, uh, Nate Reddy, you know, maybe worked with him or possibly even had him uh, on your podcast, but he, uh, Nate and I worked together in, in Boulder and used to ride bikes and hang out a lot, but he was the uh, opening sommelier and, and part of the team that started Frosca Food and Wine in Boulder. We studied for our master sommelier exam together. He, uh, we passed within a, a year of one another, and then he went on to uh, to the production side of things. And, you know, he and his partner, China, have a great property at, at Hayu and do Hayu Farm and smock shop wines up in the, in the Gorge area there and some of the most thoughtful stuff. And one of the things that I'm looking to do with my my role here as as chief wine officer with IBG Wines is connecting our team with people like Nate and with some of the top producers all the way you know north to south, um, and really kind of building that community. That's one of the things I think is really cool about uh, a lot of the Oregon producers is that sense of community and that there's a little bit of a cohesive togetherness that I think you find where people are just really trying to, to push the envelope and, and make wines at the highest level possible and, and learn from one another. And that's one of the things that we want to foster with, uh, with, with our team at Duck Pond as well. Let's talk about Duck Pond specifically now. It's been probably a decade since we spent time there with the Freeze family. And over 25 years, they've built uh, one of the biggest and best wineries in uh, not only the region, but the West. And you, know, you come into this, uh, you acquire this winery, Talk about the process of doing that because, you know, you've got this amazing brand that's well-known not only in Oregon but in Washington and all across the country. Obvious advantages to that, but also there are challenges as well, right? Sure. Anytime you have a, a brand that, you know, is seen as as a little bit larger scale production for the region, I know with with respect to some of my friends and sommeliers in the business, you know, you know Duck Pond's got unbelievable customer appeal and a lot of a lot of folks are saying you know wow it's such a value for the quality that's in the in the bottle and that has always been something that i think that they've established and done really well i think some of the the smaller world-class restaurants you know might be more into some of the the geekier smaller production wineries in oregon but we're looking to change that that opinion and i think there's a lot of people you just mentioned you you guys haven't even been exposed to some of the stuff for for 10 years plus and i think the direction of the team you know prior to our you know acquiring the the, the winery was they were going in a great direction and i think there's a, a foundation for some amazing stuff in the future and i think the resources that we have you know at our disposal now can take our entire winemaking production both in from california i mean we can there's the the facility there was is unbelievable it's got tons of space and room for us to grow we were able to move when i first started with ibg wines we had just acquired the rascal brand you know with which is part of the uh great organ wine company and with that came a very humble facility but we also uh, acquired matt chehovic and his team who were part of the winemaking crew at that winery we had canning and bottling lines and all sorts of different things that came with that so 
you know, we focused on that, the Great Oregon Wine Company for a while and then found a couple of different wineries that were for sale, this being one of them, and moved quickly on it because we thought, you know, gosh, this is this is an amazing opportunity for us to scale our business and really refine things and put together a, a situation that's going to make winemaking and production much easier and and you know allow us to to do things at a higher level for the future so we jumped on it and with that the other thing that was very interesting was was the opportunity to buy some vineyard property and primarily the acreage that we sourced down in umpqua valley which is going to be the primary fuel for a lot of the stuff that we're doing with rascal and with more of our value tier because i think some of the the cost on the fruit there is a little bit more accessible and quite frankly the the style is very drinkable it's delicious and approachable so the wines that we're you know we're, we're adding some of that to the mix of the the rascal great organ wine brands we are maintaining a lot of the fruit sources that we uh that we have always had for duck pond and then we're playing around with the idea of a, of a prestige label or brand that would go in kind of at the the, the higher part there so this great organ wine company is going to like transition into maybe a three-tier type of a deal and then we can take relationships and the and and some of the the people that we know in the business to to source really really top tier single vineyard sites for the purpose of maybe a, a prestige brand in the future but for us it's you know it presents so many different exciting layers of of developing our business for the future Brett zimmerman is the chief wine officer handling things at duck pond cellars as we celebrate oregon wine month and you know the other thing that we have to mention is that you know, this winery is literally at the front door to Oregon wine country, particularly the Dundee Hills, which highly trafficked area. I mean, you are right there, well positioned uh, to catch all that traffic, too. For sure. Yeah, we're excited. We uh, we just made the investment of updating the the uh, tasting room. We completely remodeled the, the tasting room. So if you if you've been there even in the last couple of months, I think you're in for a, for a pleasant surprise. We're adding some uh, some light and some some fresh new floors and a whole different look and design that uh, I think is more in in line with the direction that we're taking the company. We're able to use some of the you know technology and the partnership that we have with Ellipse Analytics, which is a lab that we have down in Denver that allows us to analyze wine for the purpose of maintaining quality standards. A lot of the things that we do with the wines at Duck Pond and, and Rascal, we like to make sure that uh, we analyze these wines for highest levels of, of antioxidants and, and making sure that the wines are clean and healthy for you, but also making sure that we are able to identify with any sort of issues associated with heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, any things like that, um, that are not able to be detected just through the process of, of making organic or biodynamic wine. So um, we're trying to really focus on making wine that's quality but also healthy for you. Brett, we've talked a lot about the business side of the wine business. Let's uh, talk about the fun stuff now. I know there's a lot of paperwork and all that stuff that goes with any business, but with with the wine industry, hey, at least you've got all that wine, right? And let's talk about the wines. And, uh, you know, for years, Duck Pond known for a wide variety of varietals and uh, doing it well. Talk about different varietals you're making now and uh, the transition and where you want to take these wines. For sure. I think the foundation and the flagship for for the winery certainly has got to be 
Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. So, you know, maintaining that. I think Duck Pond's done a great job of producing a delicious, well-balanced, not-too-sweet style of Pinot Gris that has been received well. Um, that, that certainly in certain markets, I know speaking to the Colorado market in terms of sales, the um, that has been a, a big driver in, in top of the case sales uh, for a market like Colorado. So we want to maintain some of that excitement. Matt Chehovic and myself are very, very passionate about Chardonnay and think that, uh, you know, I look at some of the producers, um, Lingua Franca and Walter Scott and um, Seven Springs and some of the some of the properties that have really, really put Chardonnay on a, on a world-class map in the last 10 years is inspiring. I think Chardonnay, we're both really, really excited about that. So we continue to, um, you know, we're, we're going to transition maybe out of the Washington sources and maybe focus more on the, the Oregon sources for that. Still maintaining the rosé, a little bit of Gamay for some fun. I think Gamay up there is is really kind of interesting and and unique, and we've done well with it uh, with some of the direct to consumer and or tasting room stuff. But we do we'll probably keep uh, playing around with some of that. And then I think for the the upper tier level, I think right now we're going to just focus on a reserve one reserve wine, and then you know from time to time if we have outstanding single site wines we might release those but you know maybe m- focusing more of those toward the direct consumer and tasting room type application you know i think chardonnay is really a no-brainer at this point in oregon uh, a lot of wineries are doing it well great to hear uh, lingua franca mentioned in that too i was just there uh, last week and um what really impressed me about what you just said though was gamay which I've always felt is, <laughs> I mean, it gets lost in the shuffle uh, with with the granddaddy of them all, right, Pinot Noir. But uh, there's a tremendous opportunity for that varietal from Oregon. I think there, you know, there was some foresight by uh, some of the people that originally got the the industry going, planted some fun things. I hope most people leave the uh, leave some of these gamay plantings. Uh, alone or or maybe find room for a little bit more because I do I agree with you I think there's some excitement for some some additional varieties and I think you know for the longest time everybody just you know just it was pinot noir pinot gris and just kind of focused on those two things but um I think we'll probably see a skyrocket in the chardonnay plantings and or offerings now that I think most people have figured that formula out a little bit and yeah there's i mean who knows maybe there's some room for additional like northern italian varieties or some some fun stuff that kind of mirrors what uh what's grown overseas there yeah i think what's exciting too with uh, oregon wine month and uh, memorial day weekend upcoming is as you mentioned for many of the people who have not been to duck pond for a few years or maybe have driven by and not stopped now is that opportunity to revisit, right? Absolutely. No, it's it's most definitely worth the worth the visit. I think it is one of the first uh, turns, you know, driveways on the right-hand side as you're en- entering into the area. You know, we're tucked into the Dundee Hills there. Certainly the vineyards behind us uh, are part of that that AVA. The front yard is a little bit too uh too low for you know to qualify, but the we've got some great vineyard property that we own just right near the the winery and the uh moving forward i think we're going to continue to offer some great things in the tasting room and upgrade the 
the hospitality experience that's associated with making that visit. So if you haven't done the uh, the duck pond thing in a, in a couple of years, I absolutely encourage you to, to check it out. And one of the things that I think from an innovation perspective that I think we're leading the charge with is with our entry tier brands, the, the Great Oregon Wine Company, we've got outstanding quality in the canned product. So we have a couple different sizes and three, 375 milliliter, but also 187s. Um, and we do the Pinot Noir Rosé and Pinot Gris in that format. So they could grab a can, walk outside and you know take it with you on, the, uh, on your trip as you're cruising around the valley and have it with lunch. So it's we're excited about what we're doing. We've really put a lot of time and energy into making great wine in a can. Everything from the inside of the liner to, to the quality of the fruit that goes into the uh, to the cans. I'm constantly impressed by, you know, Matt and Griffin who are, are working a lot on those products. When they send me those sample bottles, I, I sometimes have to double check and be like, is this, you know, one of our reserve wines or is this the stuff that's actually going into a can? Because they're doing some really, really great stuff. Brett Zimmerman, Master Sommelier and Chief Wine Officer at Integrated Beverage Group. They are transforming duck pond cellars. As Brett mentioned, the tasting room renovation is complete now. And this very likely will be your first stop on your way out to Oregon wine country, at least if you're heading out to the Dundee Hills. I want to thank Brett for joining us and thank you for downloading Vintage. More Oregon features throughout May as we celebrate Oregon Wine Month. Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.